The FF Live Podcast, presented by Fantasy Football Live. Welcome to episode number six of the FF Live Podcast, presented by Fantasy Football Live. Today is Monday, August 6th. I'm Ben Schrager. I'm here with Jeff Lorenz. Jeff, the first preseason game is in the books. What are you thinking? What's up, guys? Football is back. I am so excited. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's get right to it. Today, we're going to start off with a little weekly recap, go over the preseason game, you know, what really mattered from it, talk about some free agent signings. Then we're going to do our kick it or stick it segment about training camp, and we're going to finish off with a mailbag segment, action-packed mailbag. We're talking tight ends. We're talking draft strategy, everything you need to know to get ready for your draft. So we're starting off with the news from the week. Jeff, like we said, first preseason games in the books. I got excited. I'm sure you were pumped. Meaningless football, maybe, but it's still football. So the game was the Ravens against the Bears. There wasn't too much of note in the first half for me, honestly. The one thing I took from it was Hayden Hurst, rookie tight end, who is one of my favorite sleepers this year. He's not being drafted. He had a touchdown and two other catches. Looked really impressive out there. Some good rapport with Lamar Jackson. What did you take from the game? So I really liked Hurst as well, and I like him, honestly, to be a top 15, maybe top 10 tight end this year. If you look at Joe Flacco, he loves throwing to his tight ends. And he hasn't really had very talented tight ends during his career, but he's made them very productive. Last year was Ben Watson. He was 37 years old, and he was still the team's second-leading receiver. The year before, he gave Dennis Pitta 86 receptions on 121 targets. So Hurst could really be a bargain at his current draft point. Yeah, and, and who else does Flacco have to throw to? I mean, Crabtree will be good in the red zone. I think that's the one takeaway I had. What do you think of Lamar Jackson? I was really excited to watch this game for the sole purpose of Lamar Jackson. And I picked him up, actually, in our fantasy league before the game. He did. I, I convinced myself that he, oh, he's going to turn some heads, and all of a sudden we're going to have a huge quarterback controversy on our hands, and he's going to be this year's RG3 when he was a rookie. However, I, I ended up dropping him right after the game because he showed that he was nowhere close to being a starting quarterback in this league, and we're, we're going to have to wait at least another year, in my opinion, before it's Lamar Jackson time. Yeah, this is still Joe Flacco's team, and I, I too was excited for the prospect of Lamar Jackson, but my expectations weren't high, and like I said, Hurst is what I took from that game. The running backs didn't really play for either team. Uh, we're hoping to get some clarity with the Bears situation moving forward, but we didn't get that then. So like we said, this was the first preseason game. There's mostly third-teamers, fourth-teamers, maybe some second-stringers here and there. It's classic overreactions from the the first game of the preseason. we got to temper our expectations. Only thing we're taking from this really is Hayden Hurst, and you want to stash him on your rosters. Exactly. And, you know, moving forward, the preseason will have some storylines that we'll actually believe in. But I think that's, that's all you can take from that game. Now, in terms of other football news for the week, the big one is the Patriots bringing on Eric Decker. I mean, Jordan Matthews got sent to IR. They brought on Eric Decker, who's not being drafted in any fantasy leagues. What do you think of his fantasy prospects? Decker's another guy that I want to stash because of his production when he's with really good quarterbacks. You look at what he did with Peyton Manning out in Denver. He's really a product of his quarterback play. 
yes, he is 31 years old, but the Patriots wide receiver core is really thin, and he's joining the likes of Hogan and, and a suspended Edelman. So he's going to have a role in this offense. I'd like to stash him. Yeah, I'll stash him too, but I'm not going to I'm not going to trade anything valuable for the guy. I'm not going to spend above a 12th round pick on him because honestly, I could easily see him getting 7 to 8 targets a game, 5 catches, 45 yards, maybe a touchdown. And that's until Edelman Edelman returns. Once Edelman's back, Edelman's their slot guy. Agreed. Yeah, he's definitely worth the spot on the bench just cuz he does have some upside and he could turn into one of Brady's favorite targets. You know how Brady likes to go to guys like Decker. Uh, but we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this as camp progresses. And if, if Gronk does get hurt, Eric Decker's stock goes way up, and it's not a far-fetched opinion that Gronk will get hurt. But I think with Gronk healthy and when Edelman comes back, I don't think Decker's worth anything. Oh, there's no doubt that Gronk is the number one receiving option on this team. And then I'd probably go Hogan and Edelman, and then Decker would be the fourth guy. So for now, yeah, he might have a role in the first four weeks. He might be able to carve a role out for himself. But from there on, we'll see. Kick it or stick it. So our next segment is a fan favorite, training camp headlines, kick it or stick it. If you're new to the program, first of all, I'd recommend listening to last week's pod. We introduced the segment. Basically, training camp headlines are hyped up. You never know what to believe. Jeff and I are going to say whether we're going to kick the news, you know, not believe it, or stick it, really buy into it and put some value into it. Our first headline is that Doug Baldwin will be out multiple weeks, according to Coach Pete Carroll. Jeff, are you kicking or sticking? I am sticking this. This is extremely concerning. They say he has knee soreness, but I've never heard of knee soreness that keeps someone out over a month long and in the entire preseason. There could be a lot more going on here that we're not being told as fantasy owners. And for that reason, I'm moving... Baldwin down slightly in my overall rankings should he miss any time at this point that would be maybe overreacting a little bit but I'm I'm kind of going there Tyler Lockett is a guy you definitely want to pick up there's no doubt any drafts coming up Tyler Lockett needs to be drafted he was going undrafted in a good amount of leagues but he needs to be on every roster because Russell Wilson the magician he is is going to support at least one fantasy relevant wide receiver and if Doug Baldwin isn't playing week one Who else is he going to throw to? Baldwin is going off boards as the 10th receiver, and that's just too high given that you're probably spending a really high draft pick on a guy like him to be your wide receiver one. I would definitely draft him as a wideout number two, but that is a lot of uncertainty for a guy that you need to produce for your team. Yeah, I'm going to stick this news as well. Basically, I love Doug Baldwin this year. There's so many targets coming available. I mean, 31% of the targets from last year are gone with Graham and Paul Richardson leaving. And Russell Wilson will support a wide receiver one, in my opinion. But the thing is, if you're drafting Baldwin in the end of the second round or beginning of the third round, he better be playing 16 weeks. The guy isn't that great of a physical talent. He's, he, he can make plays, but he's, he's no you know spark athlete. My, my problem with him is, if you're drafting him as like a wide receiver one, it's just I have no confidence in it. I'm with you there. All right, let's get to the next headline. This comes from 49ers camp. Beat writers are saying that Marquise Goodwin looks like the true wide receiver one and not Pierre Garcon. Are you kicking or sticking this one? Oh, I'm kicking this one so far. I, I saw this headline multiple times. I got really frustrated with it because here's, here's the reasoning they're using. Goodwin is more athletic than Garcon. 
He has a better big playability. He gives you more clips that you can tweet out videos of and make him look like really good receiver going on the deep ball, one-handed catches, whatever. But Garcon will be the top targeted guy in this offense. He will be their wide receiver one. He'll score the most fantasy points of any wide receiver. Goodwin will have these big plays, but Goodwin will not be able to be relied on as Jimmy G's top option. What do you think? I'm actually going to disagree with you and stick this one. I believe it. You say that Goodwin is more athletic. You're, you're not giving him enough credit. He ran a 4-2-7 40-yard dash. He's an absolute nightmare for defenses. You see him. You saw videos of him burning Richard Sherman on the outside. He had 922 yards last season, and I think he can do it again. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe in Pierre Garçon. I think he's going to be a viable option too, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo can support two fantasy-relevant receivers and maybe even Kittle at tight end, so three relevant receivers in that offense. So I really like this 49ers offense in general, and I think Goodwin's going to lead the way as the wide receiver number one. I'm sticking. See, I disagree there. I mean, Goodwin's going off the boards as the 35th wide receiver, and I think that's fair, and I think he'll probably do a little better than that. I just think Garcon will be Jimmy G's top target, the most targeted guy. I mean, Garcon, when he played last year, was averaging nine targets a game. That's flat out ridiculous and with Shanahan Garcon was fantastic in 2013 I mean the guy was a top 15 fantasy wide receiver and I think Garcon will be really good this year and they both could be fantasy relevant I'm just not buying that Goodwin's their top receiver no I got you there I'm still a big Pierre Garcon fan I like both of those guys as top 25 options and that's a little bold but I really could see it happening all right well our next headline is that a big name Antonio Brown was sent home to Pittsburgh but We'll be fine in a few days. What are you making of this? Oh, I'm sticking this. I'm not concerned about Antonio Brown. Initially, when I saw that he was being sent home to Pittsburgh, it was a little concerning. But now he's day-to-day, just like anybody else. This is the NFL. He's the top receiver. He's going to get the carry needs. Plenty of time before the season. Not concerned at all. Stick. What about you? I agree. And since this news, he's actually dropped on the draft boards from the fifth overall pick to the sixth overall pick. And if I'm drafting today, I'm still taking Antonio Brown with that fifth pick after those top four running backs go. So I'm not believing this at all. They say he'll be fine. However, this does fuel some fire underneath the James Washington sleeper uh, campaign. I mean, the guy's going to have the Martavis Bryant role regardless. But if A.B., you know, isn't 100% to start the season, Washington has a lot of upside. And if A.B. is out, who do you think this affects the most? If A.B. is out, I really like Juju Smith-Schuster to take over that number one role and be a top option. In his rookie year, he was a top 15 option, and he didn't really come on until later on in the season. If A.B. were to miss any time, Juju could really thrive in that number one role. And then obviously, I agree with you, Washington would be a solid backup. But at this point, Antonio Brown's going to be fine. The two receivers in that offense that you need, A.B. and Juju. So next storyline, Frank Reich said that the Colts' touch leader will vary game by game. What do you think of this one? I'm sticking this. I'm buying all into this. Now, Frank Reich, in case you guys didn't know, coordinated the Eagles' offense last year. Jeff, question for you. Yep. Eagles' top running back each week definitely varied last year. Who had the most weeks as the Eagles' top fantasy running back last season? I'm going to go bold here and go with Corey Clement. Is that true? 
Ooh, not right, but you're right in going bold because the answer is LeGarrette Blunt. There were eight weeks last season, including the playoffs, where Blunt was the top fantasy option in Philly. And Jay Ajayi didn't come on until you know midway through the year, but Ajayi only had six weeks of this. Clement had four weeks as the top guy, and Sproles had two weeks himself. So the Eagles spread the ball throughout their running backs last year, and I think this will be the same with the Colts. Do you think the Colts have the talent to do this? Honestly, I really don't think they have much talent at all, and that's the reason they have to do it. Marlon Mack could be good. All these guys are unproven, and like you said, Frank Reich in Philadelphia like to go with a committee. I think he does the same thing in Indy, and so I'm going to stick with this too. How are you determining which Colts running back to draft, if at all? So Mack is the one who's getting the first reps with the first team. So he's going to be the one that I want to draft. And then I'm going to stash Hines and Wilkins maybe in my last round or pick him up off of waivers. But Mack is really the guy to own at this point. Would you draft him at his price point of RB31? Yeah, I think he's a lock for a top 30 spot. I mean, it's really not that difficult to be a top 30 running back. If you look at the points that they scored, it's really not that impressive. So I think Mac can definitely produce at that level. I I agree a hundred percent. I don't, I don't love any of the guys, but they're all priced so cheap that you might as well invest in one. If you're looking for that bench running back who has a little bit of upside. Right. And Hey, maybe one of them takes over as the lead back and you get a huge steal. So you never know. Final headline here, Patrick Mahomes, the highly touted first-year starter in Kansas City, has thrown seven interceptions in his first six training camp practices. What do you think of this? I'm kicking this one further than you could think. I'm not buying this at all. This is practice. Mahomes is a new quarterback who's really just trying to get a feel for the offense. The reason we all love Mahomes is how strong his arm is and how well he did in college on deep balls. And this offense is going to be really, really prone to deep ball success. So I don't care about interceptions. If Mahomes throws a bunch of interceptions this year, I still think he'll have a lot of fantasy value, but I just don't think interceptions in practice will even translate at all. What do you think? I'm right with you there. First of all, who really cares that much about his interceptions? If he has 15 of them, you lose two points for each one. But he's going to have so many yards this year and so many touchdowns, in my opinion, that it doesn't even really matter. And second off, there's no context to this. What do you mean he threw seven interceptions in his first six practices? Is, are these like game situations? Are these drills? Like what, what's going on here? It's just, it could be taken so far out of context that it's not even a concern to me. It's the first week of camp. Give the guy a break. Let him get the rust off. What would be concerning if there have been a bunch of reports about him being inaccurate on deep balls or if you know he's missing a ton of deep ball receivers. That's not the case. Maybe he threw a couple and the receiver dropped it and they were intercepted. Maybe there was just a drill where he was throwing 10 straight passes on contested balls and two of them got picked off. We don't know what this is all about. I'm kicking at this very much. Fantasy mailbag. So we're going to conclude with our mailbag segment, action-packed mailbag segment here, talking tight ends, draft strategy, a lot of different things. First question comes from Fantasy XYZ. Do you handcuff Zach Ertz with Dallas Goddard? I feel like this is a no-brainer. Jeff, what do you think? Is it a no-brainer? So usually when you think handcuff, you think of a running back, and you wouldn't usually think the same with a tight end. But in this case, I'm going to agree with you. 
Zach Ertz has proven to be somewhat injury-prone over his career, and Dallas Godert is a really talented tight end. They took him in the first round for a reason. And if you look at what Trey Burton did, the backup to Ertz, in games where Ertz missed, he had 14.9 fantasy points per game, five touchdowns on just 31 targets. So I really, really like Godert as a handcuff, and I think he's a guy, if you have Ertz, you really should have your hands on Godert as well. I, I completely disagree here. I love Godert. I'm personally an Eagles fan and excited to see both of them on the field. But Godert won't see the field much unless Ertz gets hurt, which which is possible. But you, you can't really bank on a tight end injury unless his name's Gronk or Reed. But Godert's not being drafted. I think if Ertz gets hurt, you better have your eye on the waiver wire for Godert. Or if you have you know, no one to pick up a week, you can grab Godert just to like anticipate an Ertz injury. But there are so many tight ends out there that you could actually use that you could draft in the late rounds that I have no interest in having Godert on my roster, whether I'm an Ertz owner or not. Fair enough. I just think as a handcuff, if you have Ertz, I'll take Godert as well just for the security. But I'm with you on that. Why not just have another late round tight end like George Kittle, Charles Clay as your handcuff? Either one of those works. Yeah, I think the key with that is knowing how to assemble your roster. If you think you have enough running back and wide receiver upside on your bench, put Godert on there. But I don't even like carrying multiple tight ends if I'm drafting them all late. You have Ertz. He's a stud. Don't worry about Godert, in my opinion. Next question is from Mike Steert. What round do I draft Travis Kelsey? He's currently going off boards as the second tight end, and he's in the third round. Do you agree with this draft position? I agree that his value should be there, but I am not advising anyone to draft him in the third round. The key with Travis Kelsey is people think, oh, he's the next Gronk. And I think Zeus, as we call him, is a really good tight end. But if you look at the numbers, he's only averaged eight points per game in his career. And Gronk's averaged almost 12 points a game. Totally different animals. I don't think you can spend a third round pick on Zeus when you could get a guy like a Jarek McKinnon towards the beginning of the third round or a guy... Like, I don't know, Juju Smith at the end of the third round, who they both have upside to be top 10 in their position. I just don't value the tight end enough. And there's numbers to back it up. What do you think? I believe that Kelsey shouldn't be drafted in the third round for the same reason that you said. But I'd be really comfortable taking him in the fourth or fifth round. You said he's not the same beast as Gronk. And I agree with you. He's not. But he's the only other tight end with 1,000 yards over the last two seasons. He gets his touchdowns. He's in a great offense. He's so far ahead of the rest of the tight end pack, him and Gronk, that I think he's really worth that fourth-round pick. I'm a big Kelsey fan. I own him on my team. You get that advantage against other teams if they don't have such a good tight end. That could be the difference between a win and a loss. It could, and I think I'm completely fine drafting him in the fourth or fifth round. But in the third round, you just, I just can't do it. And like, like I've said before, and you, you say it all the time, Zeus will make a difference week to week. And it's very important to have a guy who can positionally give you an advantage. But in the third round, I'm not buying into him. But I will get him at the end of fourth rounds, and I've done it before in a lot of drafts this year. Okay, our next question comes from Goody. How does Spencer Ware's return affect Kareem Hunt's value? And... C. Williams 2821 asked the same question. I think a lot of people are wondering this this year. Jeff, what do you think? Oh, I'm not concerned about Spencer Ware. I think he's a handcuff that you have to own. He's a talented back. 
But look, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing yards last year. He's the bell cow of this offense, and he's what makes this unit tick. If I'm a fantasy owner, sure, I'll pick up where, but don't lower Kareem Hunt on your boards just because Spencer Ware is healthy and back. See, I kind of agree with you here, but I think the effect that Ware's return has on Hunt's value is built into his price. Hunt's going off as the ninth running back, and he was a top five running back last year, and the offense hasn't changed much at all. They've added some other weapons, got rid of Alex Smith, but we like Mahomes. I think at his price, he's going off as the ninth running back. That factors in Ware's return, but I don't think Ware has a big effect. So I think Hunt is a great value where he's being picked, and he's one of those guys that would not surprise me if he scores more than Zeke Elliott or more than David Johnson. Yeah, I personally think he's being a little bit undervalued considering the season he had last year. And the thing with him is people are thinking, oh, well, he was the only running back there last year. He was on the field all the time. He's not going to get as many touches. He was on the field for 65% of snaps last year, which was only eighth in the league. It's not like he was getting an absurd amount of snaps because there was no one else there. He was eighth in the league, which is kind of what you expect for a dominant running back, but when Ware comes back, Ware will be on the field for the other 30-some percent, but I don't expect Hunt's snap percentage to go down at all. I'm with you there. Yeah, let's keep drafting Hunt in the first round, and he's going to pay dividends this year. Next question comes from Sean Gannon. Melvin Gordon or Kareem Hunt? So another Kareem Hunt question. What do you think? I'm taking Melvin Gordon here. Again, it's close because I really like both guys, and they're both running backs who could finish in the top five, but I'm a big Melvin fan this year. He's been the most consistent running back over the past couple seasons. He's actually had 24 out of the 29 games he's played in as an RB2 or better. And so that means he's not giving you a goose egg when you need it most. And he's had 12 touchdowns in each of the past two years, and nothing's changed about his offense at all. Yeah, this is an interesting question because both of these guys have really similar play styles. They're both heavily involved as both runners and receivers, and they had really near identical stat lines last season. Hunt, 1,800 total yards and 11 touchdowns, and then Gordon had 1,600 total yards and 12 touchdowns. They're both in great offenses, and now there's also some concerns with both. Like I said, for Hunt, maybe a sophomore slump. Spencer Ware returning, new quarterback. With Melvin Gordon, he does have that injury history. It's actually really interesting. He's never averaged four yards per carry in an NFL season. I have both of them ranked at eight and nine, respectively, with Melvin with a slight edge just because he's been in the league longer and he's more proven. But either way, this is really a toss-up for me. Yeah, in terms of scary things about Hunt, the obvious one to say is where, but like we talked about before, we don't think where it'll affect him. I think some serious things that you have to be aware of are that he was getting a lot of checkdowns last year from Alex Smith, who's considered a game manager, a guy who's kind of looking for the best option but not spreading the field. Now you have Mahomes, who's an unproven quarterback who's going deep. I don't know how often Mahomes would go to hunt compared to Alex Smith. That's just a small thing, though. It's just in the passing game. I think Melvin Jordan is a more complete running back better hands maybe not as efficient but I think Gordon has the slight edge but if you told me you drafted Kareem Hunt above Melvin Gordon I'm not gonna say you're an idiot I'm not gonna say you had a bad pick I'm just gonna slightly disagree well our final mailbag question was actually asked by a ton of people this week they're asking about the early draft strategy so a lot of people are wondering do they start with two running backs and then two wide receivers or how do they plan out their draft in terms of the first four rounds? This was asked by Mike Massinger, Byron Klopp, Andrew Robb, and Rocky Devereaux. So to all of you guys, my first thing is 
you have to adjust based on the draft. You can't just go into your draft with, oh, I have to get a running back first, then I have to get a wide receiver, and then you know maybe I'll get a tight end and then another running back. You have to see who's available. How do you look at it, Jeff? I think if you go into a draft with that such rigid strategy, you're already at a disadvantage. In order to have your best draft, you need to be able to adapt based on others' picks and based on who is on the board. You need to think on your feet, analyze every single pick like it's a completely new pick, and not just to say, oh, I'm taking a running back here because that's what I said I would do in this round before the draft started. For example, if Julio Jones is available and the best running back is Jordan Howard, even if I thought I was going to take a running back in this round, I'm taking Julio Jones, and it's a no-brainer. So I would say, overall, don't go in with this rigid strategy. Be loose, be flexible, and make your decisions accordingly. The key for what we have to do to help you and what you have to do to win your league is to take advantage of the people who do lock in these mentalities. You're going to know that some people are obsessed with the running backs early and then the wide receivers fall. What you need to do is see, well, these two guys ahead of me will probably reach for a running back because they have the strategy. I'm going to be able to take a Michael Thomas at the end of the second round where Michael Thomas could provide first round value or a guy like even A.J. Green in the third round. I'd much rather have A.J. Green than Joe Mixon. Like, there's no question. And the problem with that a lot is the recency bias. The running backs did so well last year. Wide receivers did not do well. They were not consistent. And I think they'll bounce back this year. But that's not even the whole point of this, right? The whole point is don't have a rigid strategy. If you look at two years ago, it was the wide receivers that were going first. Julio Jones was the second player off boards. And I think Antonio Brown might have been the first. It fluctuates year to year. And you need to not have that recency bias and be able to look over the whole thing and see that. A big problem people have is they want this elite running back because everyone harps on it. And I'm all in on that. If you have a top four pick, you need to take a running back. But outside of the top four, I'm completely fine going two wide receivers, right, in the first two rounds? There's only four elite running backs. So I'd way rather take your elite receiver in the later first than a guy like Christian McCaffrey. And I really just think that's a no-brainer to me. The thing I have with running backs, I've said it a lot before, I want guys with high volume. And you can get high-volume guys in the later rounds. Like, I would love to start off my draft with Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and then get, like, a... I don't know, Lamar Miller, Mr. Opportunity, Ronald Jones. Derrick Henry. Exactly. You have a solid running back wide receiver core, but you didn't have to spend value capital on the running backs early. Right, and then you pick up a quarterback in the late rounds, and you have a really solid-looking team. And even if you miss out on an early running back, we've talked about Chris Carson before. He's going so late. Even a Duke Johnson, who was a top-20 running back in standard leagues last year people forget about that he's going very very late you can get running backs late you just have to do your research you can't just look at the board and be like oh there's no top 30 running backs I might as well just get rid of all the ideas of drafting running backs late Chris Carson is right now he's a starting running back in Seattle and he's not owned in 93 percent of leagues so you really need to take a deeper look that's it for today's show. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FFootballLive. We're actually going to be getting some audio from the podcast up on Twitter and Instagram, you know, making things a little more fun for you guys. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. You'll get a notification anytime we put out a new episode. It's really, really helpful. And Jeff, you think we're going to have a good mailbag segment next week? I've been really impressed with our mailbag questions these last two weeks, and I'm really excited for what you guys have for the next week. You know, another week at camp, more questions. We're ready for all of them. We're going to give you our best answers. All right, we'll see you guys next Monday. See you next week, guys.